spent some time this week just um, doing some reflecting, and as I was doing that, I, this kind of came to my to my mind. I shared a little bit with you if you were here last Sunday, and my my heart has just stopped in awe and said, you know, wow, how many trees are down? Hundred year old trees, but it went totally different directions than the house. Um, and just watching, really, just in the midst of it, just pausing and saying, you know, I need to be thankful. And in in saying that, you know, sometimes thankfulness takes some effort. Because there's been times, you know, in these last two weeks that you had to make the difficult decision. Do I go sit in an hour and a half long line to get fuel so my refrigerator stays cool? Do I drive to Okeechobee? What What do we do? You know, how do we how are we going to survive? And then I think I think Moni said it to somebody. She she wasn't here when this all went through, and then she came back into town and she looked at everybody and said, "Y'all are in shock. You don't know what just hit you, and you're all running on adrenaline, and then you're going to go katoosh And once you get the air conditioning back, everybody's just going to go boom. And so as we share this morning, I was just stopping, think, well, maybe. Maybe there's a time for us to pause in the midst of all this. And maybe there's a time for us to pause and actually really think about what God maybe have, was doing through the process. Other than trying to sleep with no air conditioning and all the misery part of that stuff, trying to find ice, you know, all that stuff, which we're all very familiar. We all, that's all really kind of honest, right? We, 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 we're, we're aware of that. But maybe it was all to pause and just to remind us that we serve powerful God. And I shared, you know, this verse with you uh, last Sunday, but I just want, some of you were here, some of you weren't here, but I was thinking about James chapter 1 as we navigated these last, you know, two weeks. And not that I was, I was not high-fiving anybody, so when you read these passages of Scripture, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. So as we've been navigating, just trying to to survive, maybe God was just stopping us and saying, now wait a minute, I need to send some trials through this area of of Florida. And say, you know what? I want to strengthen the family. And strengthening the family normally doesn't take place on vacation. We just get overweight on vacation because we eat things that we're not supposed to be eating. And you know what's fascinating as I watched this, all of us kept thinking there's no way it's going to, I kept thinking, I shouldn't say all, I kept thinking there's no way it's going to hit Highlands County. I mean, there's, everybody's forecasting it be over there. And then for whatever reason, God left my power on long enough and my Wi-Fi to work long enough that I basically watched that storm on my crazy phone just come straight towards Highlands County. Maybe he sent the trials so that somebody else could see light. Maybe he wanted to squeeze us enough to say, wait a minute, I need this person to see Jesus. Maybe he wanted to remind us, if you're in James, to go to James chapter 4. And look at verse 13. 
Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Are you a mist? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live or do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who listens or knows what he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Maybe he wanted to remind us that our life is just a vapor. Maybe some of us just needed to pause and be say, whoa, yeah, that's true. Maybe he wanted to actually encourage us to think about purpose. Maybe he wanted to remind you if you, um, this is probably one of, my, one of my favorite verses. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Maybe he wanted you just to pause and remind you why you're here. And it's not about our trees, and it's not about our house, and it's not about where we work, what is the purpose of my life? Maybe he wanted to remind you to say, hold on a second, I started a good work in you. Be confident of that. The day that I said yes to Jesus, he began a good work in me. And he's going to complete that work. And that work is not going to be completed without perseverance being taught. Without situations navigated into my life, say, hold on a second, I need to teach you some things. I want to develop some things in your life. And so he brought this, maybe just to remind you of purpose. I was reminded of, if you have your Bible, go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul's words. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile. Verse 17. For in the, in the gospel, a righteousness is from God is revealed and righteousness that it might, that is by what? Faith. From first to last. Just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. The gospel. Paul's life, it was the first importance. It was the gospel. Opportunity for individuals to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Opportunities for individuals to see something and you say, "What? why are you different? Well, I'm different because Jesus is the way, truth, and life. Maybe it's just to remind us that, you know, it's, it's Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. When I had opportunity this week 
um, or la- it wasn't actually necessarily this week, it was kind of last week, as I've been thinking about the gospel, I had an opportunity to be involved in a home. And this home had down trees and you know stuff like everybody else has. But this home lives next to another home. This other home, we're kind of becoming friends with the people that live there. So we're kind of getting to know them. We found out this home next to where we were working, that they're not really interested in church. And I found out why. I found out that this home next to where we were working, that this lady was involved in the foster care. And the foster care system placed her in a pastor's home. And let's just say, for lack of too much description, wasn't a positive place. So I've, and I've kind of found out about this, and so I'm over here at this house trying to help these people, but I know the situation here. I said, Lord, no matter what she feels or thinks, I want to help move a tree for her. Because I'm not like that guy. And maybe, just maybe, You sent the storm so I could go over there and be different. And almost every time I left there, I was almost in tears in my soul to know the baggage that she carries because of a church. I said, okay, Lord, I know my purpose. And The Lord has made me a little bit weird. I do love the smell of a chainsaw. I love watching it cut. I've enjoyed running a chainsaw. It's been awesome. Not sure I want to do it a whole lot longer. My body's not really in great shape after all this, but anyhow. So God, did you give me a purpose? Did you allow me the privilege to move limbs, stack limbs, cut trees so that this person could see Jesus. See, that's really our purpose. But if you're like me, we get distracted. We need to be pulled back and be reminded that the gospel has to be the first importance. And that people should see. I mean, on Monday morning, I'm we wake up, I go down the end of our road, and John's down there, he's got a whole crew of people. One guy's got a tree on his house, and they've got tractors there moving things around. Another neighbor's got roof peeled back, and so other guys are nailing that stuff down. It's just like a whole little community. And then the next, like, okay, where are we going to go next to do something for somebody else? That's what it's about. People need to see that we're different. We should come out of our house and say, how can we help? What can we do for you? But in saying that, take your Bible and go to Hebrews in chapter 12. 
because the devastation has been great. And the burdens are quite frankly, as we were praying this morning, as we were just talking about different people, praying for different people, and one of the guys said, you know, guys, we can't help these people, but we know the one who can. Who can. We know his name. And so as we're navigating the weeks and months, or however much time we have left on this earth, just remind yourself. Therefore, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. What should that cloud of witnesses encourage us to do? Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with what? Perseverance. The race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. May we be individuals that have tenacity, determination, staying power, purposefulness to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. You know why that's important? Because we want people to see the light. And I realize in saying all that, I think it's time as I, um, as I say those things, I think it's time for us just to stop and say, Jesus, we need your help. And as I thought about that, take your Bible and go to Psalm chapter uh, 23. Psalm 23. Jesus, help me. The Lord is my shepherd, David's words. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. You need him to restore your soul this morning? Maybe you just need to pause and say, Jesus, I need some help today. In a lot of different areas, not just our homes, not just our trees, not just in our community. talking about us. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Why does he guide me in paths of righteousness? For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Go to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Allstate, State Farm, Progressive, FEMA, different churches in Highlands County. No, those are all good things. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
So maybe as you navigate, maybe you just need to stop and say, Jesus, I need your help. I know it doesn't come natural. Because you all are incredibly talented people. And we live in a society where yeah, you can handle it. No, we can't handle it. You need help. And so you can look from a lot of different sources as you navigate on this earth. But my prayer for you, as you navigate storms, you will learn to say, Jesus, help me. Because sometimes it's going to be a hurricane, and then sometimes it's going to be family. Sometimes it's going to be neighbors. Sometimes it's just going to be your house being struck by lightning. Sometimes it's going to be a loss of, a loss of job. Sometimes it's going to be a loss of a loved one. The storms aren't going to go away. They're going to be named a lot of different things, but they will not go away. Because the creator of heaven and earth longs to step in and say, I can help you if you ask me. I'm here. I want to be involved. And he will send things big enough so that we are so overwhelmed that we say, dear God, please help me. I can't do this. May that be our first response, not when it's all else has failed. May we learn to say, okay, first response, I can get help. Lord, help me. Those are some things that I've just been thinking about that I wanted to share with you as a family as we navigate what's in front of us. Because I know you're all on the way down as you recover. You're on the way of just trying to get, you know, finally get a good night's sleep because your air conditioning works. Finally, you're not running to all these different places. You're back to kind of getting back to some semblance as best as you can in some, in some of us ways of life again. But don't run too fast through this. Spend some time thinking about this week, last week. Spend some time sitting and say, okay, Father, what do you want from me? Jesus, what are you trying to teach me through this? Where do you want, where do you want, to, where do you want me to see you? I mean, I love looking at the trees. That's been awesome to see the power of God in the trees. But I love just to think about every pine needle is exactly where he wanted it. It ended up exactly where he wanted it, everyone. Do you realize that not one tree fell by accident? God is sovereign in the midst of all of this. Now, some people have incredible damage and some people have no damage, but God is still God no matter what we have. you have your Bible, I also want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. And um, I really want to share with you on, as, I, as we pause and just remember the, the wow factor of all that we've been through, I still want you to actually stop and think about that our lifestyle does matter. And I think these kind of go together as I'm kind of, still kind of working my way through the book of Matthew. I wanted you just to look at Matthew chapter 5 with me this morning. So if you have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 5. And I want to pick it up in verse um, 43. But as, I, as we pick back up to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, don't forget about that he is working or he's teaching these, his followers what it means to look like to be a disciple. What does a lifestyle of a Jesus follower look like? We get caught up and all oh, here's a sermon on the mountain. Here's blessed is and all that. No, wait a minute. They, these are... These are things that he is actually sitting down and he has disciples around him. 
And he's saying, this is what I want. This is what the lifestyle needs to look like. Blessed are these things. And so this morning, as you, as you think about that, you need to remind yourself that lifestyle does matter, and you need to remind yourself if you are a disciple, then you need to act like your instructor. If I'm a Jesus follower, then there needs to be some hunger inside of me saying, okay, Jesus, you teach me. What do you want it to look like? What do you have for my life? And so if you pick it up in Matthew chapter 5 and verse uh, 43, he's going to tell you this. He's going to encourage you to love your enemies. Verse 43, you have heard what it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, these are Jesus' words. He's telling these disciples, it's been preserved all these years for you this morning, for you to hear these things. But he tells you, not me, but Jesus tells you this morning, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you... Greet only your brothers. What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as a heavenly Father is perfect. Pause. Think about it. All the years that you've navigated life, something that's true of all of you, you all have enemies. And it's interesting when you come to these passages of Scripture. It's interesting. It's fascinating for me to think about, okay, Lord, um, <laughs> you know, I really don't like my enemies. And now you say to me, love them. Well, I'll love them, but what does love look like? So I think you need to stop when you think about the word love. And this is not an emotional feeling type of thing. When he says love, you really need to think of the word sacrifice. You really need to, if, if there's not one thing over the years of ministry that God has given me here at Bible Fellowship Church, I don't want people to think about love as what, the, what our society thinks about love. I want our minds to go straight to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want our minds to go straight to the cross. I want our minds to go straight to the time when they're weaving the crown of thorns and they push it on his head. That's what I want us to think about. So when Jesus is talking to you and I today in the book of Matthew, and he challenges us to love our enemies, love is sacrifice. So those people that are your enemies that you don't like, he's going to challenge you to move towards them, no matter what they've said about you. What's even more fascinating is, it's, and I know how hard this is, to move towards those people to said all these things, and then he's going to ask you to take it one step farther. He's going to ask you to pray for him. Really? You want me to pray for somebody that has said this, this, and this, and this? That's what you want me to do? 
You want me to love somebody sacrificially that has come after me as an individual and challenged me as a person? Yeah, that's what I want you to do. Because if you take your Bible and not, don't turn there now, but I want you just to be think you just so you're aware of it. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18, it says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against any one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Love your enemies. Pray for them. And I want to encourage you on this. Don't just pray so that they see that you're right. Pray for their salvation. God, would you grab so-and-so? And when they say yes to Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you do that work? And I know that's not easy. There's, there are people in, you know, in all of our lives that we say, you know, Lord, it would just be better if they would stay over there. And then it's interesting how you always bump into them. So maybe God's doing something in your soul to say, okay, wait a minute. You, say, you call yourself a disciple. You say that you love me. Now I want you to pray for me. Another thing that I thought was interesting, as I look at this little chunk of Scripture, I look at verse 45, that you may be sons of your fathers. He causes his son to rise on evil and good. I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about the sovereignty of God. And all of us, there will be times in our lives that we're going to say, you know what, Lord, I don't know if I really trust you in this. God, is this really what, what, what are you really doing here? This really doesn't make sense. God, is it really part of your plan to take this person that we're trying to, to talk to him about Jesus, but you let him grow up in this difficult circumstance, and now they get older, you want us to bump into him and all the emotion that must have flooded out of this neighbor's soul is like when, and, and I, you know, you know me, I don't want anybody to know that I'm a preacher because everybody acts different when the preacher's around. So I don't tell people I'm a preacher. I just say, well, I might say I'm on staff at a church or whatever. I just don't, because I, don't, I want, no, I really want to know who you are. I want to know you. And so whatever emotion was in this person's soul, when they found out what I was, but yet still who we are and we're different, God, do something there. Please rescue this person. May they say yes to you, Jesus. May they be able to spend eternity with you. Another, here's just something interesting. As you think about God and will you trust him, and you think about his sovereignty, most of you know Compassion International. Compassion International is an organization that helps kids go to school, helps kids get clothing, helps kids to have food, just kind of the basic necessities to survive all around the world. But what most of us don't know is that West Stafford started Compassion International. 
most of us, if you have some time, you want to read a very interesting read, read a book that's called Too Small to Ignore. It's Wes Stafford's life history. What you don't probably know is that Wes Stafford was a missionary's kid. What we don't normally think about when you think about Compassion International is you don't think about Wes Stafford was a missionary kid that went to a boarding school. And finally, there are things that happen at the boarding school and they told Wes, if you tell your parents, people will die and go to hell. You just need not say anything to your parents about what happened at the boarding school. Because we want people to go to heaven. Finally, and I forget the exact age that he was, Everything he has, I think he might have been seven, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that age. He stood on his desk and he looked the teacher and I said, "You will no longer do this to us." They called his parents. His mom had to go back to America because she had an emotional breakdown because of what happened to her son. And what is interesting is the sovereignty of God and the passion that West Stafford has for children because of his past. You know what? We all have a past. Maybe part of our past is that so we would have a passion for people. And God wanted us to walk that road. And there are going to have to be times in your life that you're going to have to stop and say, God, I'm just going to trust you. God, this doesn't make sense. God, this hurts. This, God, this isn't fair. But you're going to have to pause and say, wait a minute, hold on. I will trust you. If you think about verses 45, and I realize that there's evil, and I realize that there's good, and I realize there's righteousness and unrighteousness. But as I look at this passage of Scripture, I want to pause and tell myself, no, wait a minute. God is in charge. I will trust you. Because what I know is true of Scripture. God works everything for good to those who love him. God has a plan. And these last two weeks did not surprise him. He was like, oh, man, we made a mistake. We let the right side, we, were, we let Highlands County be on the most difficult side of the hurricane. Man, what a, I must have took a nap. No, from eternity past, he knew what was coming our way. He planned it. He allowed it to happen. Will you trust him? There's something else I think is really interesting as you read through this, you know, couple verses of scripture is you, I pick out the word reward. Look at verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Have you thought about your rewards? I know you all like to be rewarded for your work, you know, say, here, here's a little extra, or here's a bonus, or here's some recognition, or here's a different office, or here's a different title, here's a different car, whatever whatever your business does for you. We all kind of like rewards. Anybody need to tell Susan that? Babe, if you want me to fold the laundry, just put chocolate ice cream in the freezer, and then I'll fold the laundry. 
That's an interesting reward. She's probably upstairs listening. She'll tell me about it afterwards. But isn't it true? We all like rewards. What is it going to be like with Jesus? When you look him face to face and say, you know what? Sorry, Jesus, I wanted the easy road. Oh, wait a minute, Jesus. Can I just have a do-over? Can you send me back? Because now I realize how important it is when I look you face to face. And all those things that you were, you wanted me to navigate, and I was always whining. I was always complaining. I was always saying, no, wait, hold on. I want to go over here. I want to do the comfortable thing. I just want the ice cream, God. Just give me that part. I want to do what's easy. Love your enemies. It's not easy. And if you're honest, it's probably something that none of us can do in our own strength well for any length of period of time. So as you pause in the midst of where you are and just remind yourself this morning that he's watching. He knows when you're walking down the the aisle at Publix and you see that person coming and you skip two aisles over because you don't want to spend a 25-minute conversation with so-and-so. Or when that person that you really don't like, and you just kind of turn yourself around and say, you know what, Lord, they're my enemy. They said this, this, and this. I'm not going there. I'm not going to be cordial. I'm not going to walk by and say, hello, how are you doing? I'm not going to do it. Really what you're saying to Jesus is saying, you know what, Jesus, I really don't want to grow up spiritually. What you're really saying to Jesus is saying, you know what, thanks for dying on the cross for me, but I kind of like being a spiritually immature brat. So I'll just walk this way instead. Jesus, I know you love me. And when those Roman soldiers whipped you and they had you tied to the post and you had the power to walk away and kill them all. No, that's what, Jesus, I... I don't want to do that. I just prefer, I prefer spiritual immaturity. Jesus, your reward really doesn't matter to me. It's not really a passion on my soul to look you face to face one day. It's not what I'm really excited about. That's what we're saying. And so when you get you know, direct words. And I, I mean, I realize he's sitting on the, the Sermon on the Mount and he's talking to his disciples. But, you know, what's so cool is it's in, in my Bible, it's written in red. His words to me. Don't squirm out. Don't negotiate away. Don't just say, well, I just want, no, look at it for you. His words to you are to remind you this morning there is a reward. And reward doesn't come on easy street. When you start back practice again at Augusta Middle School, you don't let your boys slack, do you? You ask them to do the hard thing. You challenge them to run one more step. You challenge them to do their assignment to the best of their abilities. And their goal, which is fun, Chris is involved in Augusta Middle School as the football coach, is for them to learn to see what it, the joy of a W. 
We're going to win today. The value to be on a team. The courage and guts that it takes to when the coach says, this is what I want from you. That you humble yourself and say, okay, coach, if that's what you want from me, I'll do that. That's a valuable life lesson. The creator of heaven and earth is talking to you this morning. He's saying to you, love your enemies. He's saying to you that love is sacrifice. He's saying to you to set aside all the the nice, feely, wonderful emotions that you really want to live your life in and say, no, I want to ask you to do something that is incredibly difficult. You pray for them. He's challenging you this morning to trust him. He is in charge. He's reminding you this morning that there is a reward. That there will be a time that you look him face to face. So as part of what we want to do this morning as we close, I want to, Nancy has something that we want to play for you this morning and then I'll end in prayer. Um, it's, a, it's a song that just reminds us that he knows my name.
knows your pain this morning. He knows your joy. Will you pause? Will you pause and remind yourself you have a purpose? Pause and remind yourself that the gospel needs to be a priority of everything that we do. We pause this morning and say, wait a minute. This is what my father wants from me. He wants to remind me that my lifestyle does matter. Father, I thank you for privilege be together as a family. These last two weeks have been crazy. But you knew our name. You weren't surprised. You weren't shaken. You were in charge. So Father, thank you for some of the just opportunities to pause and remind ourselves of your power. Maybe just to pause and remind us that you have began a good work. Pause to remind her what is our purpose for life. Pause to just ask for help. And thank you for instructing us. Thank you for challenging us through your word to love our enemies, sacrificially. Pray for Father, it's scary to think that you're watching. Because we mess up so much. The Holy Spirit empower us to act like our Father. Empower us to take spiritual growth steps so that we become better sons and daughters of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Not in our own strength, but in your strength, Holy Spirit. May we truly act like disciples of Jesus. May our lifestyle model his. Holy Spirit, we need your help. So thank you for allowing us to pause this morning to open the word of God. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Challenge us to change. Empower us to change. Thank you, Father, for this day. In your name we pray.